Discovering Trek and the Trek Geeks Podcast Network are proud to have Fansets as our presenting sponsor. Fansets is the place for amazing pin collectibles with over 300 officially licensed Star Trek pins and new releases every month. Keep listening to this episode for a special discount code good on your next order at fansets.com. Fansets. Our pins have character. A dream, a reality, and an amazing experience. Season 3 of Star Trek Discovery took us literally where no Star Trek show has gone before. New timelines, new challenges, and new characters highlighted a great season. But what will happen when the actor who played one of those new characters joins us to talk about his amazing experience? Well, let's find out. Welcome aboard, everyone. My name is Dan Davidson, and we are Discovering Trek. Welcome one and all to Discovering Trek, the Star Trek Universe Companion, presented by Fansets. This week is a little bit different than usual in that we have a very special guest to talk about his time on Star Trek Discovery, but before we get into that amazing discussion, it's time to welcome my amazing co-host to the show. Each and every week, I know that he would be there for me, I gotta tell you, he'll stand up against those who would do me harm to stand between me and certain death with a phaser pointing at his own head, talking about the importance of friendship and doing the right thing. And if you believe that, I've got some great tropical beach property to sell you on Andoria. As always, he's my good friend, my brother in Trek, and my amazing number one. He is Bill Smith. And Bill, this is going to be a fun talk today, buddy. It really is. Thanks so much, buddy. Um, I, I, I was a little concerned there that I was going to have to like confront death and stuff, but I'm glad that you realized how far-fetched a, a prospect that was, too. Yeah, very far-fetched indeed. I, 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 I will hold no. I will not hold you responsible for anything because it just is not going to happen. Well, it, it's good that you've set the bar extremely, extremely low. Um, you know, this week we are so lucky uh, to have the opportunity to speak with really a breakout character in Star Trek Discovery season three. Um, of course, actor Noah Averback Katz, who played Rin in Discovery, joins us for this conversation. And um, what a what a super super guy. Noah is. He really is. You know, he's lived the Star Trek dream. All fans have always wanted to be on Star Trek, I think, at one point or another in their lives as they've watched. And and he's a lifelong Star Trek fan, and he actually got to live that dream by playing uh, the character of Rin for, for three episodes. It was a great character, one of the most um, uh, accepted characters in season three. He really has a, 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 a huge fan base, and uh, he's been making the rounds on podcasts, and, and it's, it was about time that he came to the... Um, least ranked podcast possibly <laughs> in the Star Trek universe. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, you always save the Star Trek they, universe companion for last. That's true. That's or at very, least very good. close to the end. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. And it's going to be a great discussion. And, and we want um, to hear from our listeners about what they thought on everything Star Trek Discovery for the whole season and specifically what they thought about the character of Rin. So, Bill, how can they get in touch with us for their thoughts, opinions, and comments? Priority one message from Starfleet coming in on Secured Channel. Well, you know, if you're looking to get in touch with us, there are a bunch of ways you can do that. And we promise we're not even going to vaporize you unexpectedly. No, really. Of course, you can go to trekgeeks.com slash contact and you'll find a variety of ways to get us your thoughts. And on Twitter and Facebook, all you have to do is search for Discovering Trek. We, of course, welcome all of your questions and comments. Plus, you can leave us a voicemail by going to our website at trekgeeks.com and clicking on the giant blue button. Please remember, though, that any comments you might leave us 
might be used in a future episode of Discovering Trek. Dan. Thanks, Bill. Black alert. Black alert. From here on in, this episode of Discovering Trek may contain spoilers. So if you haven't watched Star Trek Discovery Season 3, stop listening right now. Go on over to CBS All Access or wherever you watch Discovery. Binge watch the entire season, then head back on over to Discovering Trek. Failure to do that puts you at risk to find out plot developments and character details for Season 3 of Star Trek Discovery. Now, how many of you have dreamed about being on a Star Trek show or a Star Trek series? How many times have we closed our eyes and pretended that we were on the bridge of the Enterprise or of the Defiant or these days the beautiful USS Discovery? I know I've done it. I know Bill's done it. And I bet you have too. It's, it's part of our DNA. But today's guest has lived that dream. He's been a lifelong Star Trek fan, and this season on Star Trek Discovery, he appeared in several episodes playing the Andorian Wren. He quickly became one of the most loved new characters on the show, and not even being vaporized could keep him from sitting down with us today to talk about that amazing experience. He shares his love of Star Trek with his amazing wife, Mary Wiseman, also known as Sylvia Tilly on Star Trek Discovery. His name is Noah Averback-Katz, and he joins us here today on Discovering Trek. Noah, I got to say, you killed it, buddy. Uh, right up until that so point much. that uh, right up until the point killed. that you got killed. But uh, <laughs> welcome to the show, man. It's great to have you here. Oh, I'm so, so happy to be here. Thanks for having me. You know what's so funny about Star Trek fans is that I talk about this a lot, is that it is this weird thing that, that, that every fandom has, you know, wanting to be in the show, wanting to be around it, whatever. But what makes Star Trek fans different is when they imagine themselves in the show, on the ship, they don't imagine themselves as, you know, the captain who saves the day or the guy with the big sword. They're like, yeah, you know, my dream would be to be the, the third ranking science officer who just <laughs> works in the mess hall. Or, or I would love to be a low level security officer. And in fact, I bought a uniform that is just for that. It's so <laughs> funny. You know, everyone's like, oh, no, we have our captain. They're already there. You know, everything's good. I would just I'm actually just going to be in the mess hall. And that's what I want to do. It's it's very specific to Star Trek fans. And I, I, I get it. You know, I really, really get it. They wouldn't trust Dan or me anywhere near the mess Ooh. hall. Um, <laughs> so first things first, as my dog tries to climb into my lap and sniff the microphone. He just wants to meet a star. Your dog <laughs> yeah, has good taste. You're a good girl. Um, so how are you? How are Mary? Are you guys both healthy and, and doing We're well? Doing great. We're up here in Toronto where while Mary shoots season four, we've had a nice little Christmas holiday break and production is sort of starting to ramp back up again for all them right now. But we're doing well up here. Thank you. That's great. That's good to know. Now, you talked about how, you know, people would want to be, you know, not kind of in the background and I would want to be a red shirt so that I could get killed most likely. <laughs> Your character was really up front for several episodes and had a key role in this season and what was going on. Let's go let's back up a little bit before we get into the specifics of that. You're a lifelong fan. You've you said that many times on all of the appearances that you've been on. When did it start for you? Um, what was it like as this fandom grew and then all of a sudden, boom, you found yourself um, trying out for a part on the show and then being on the show? 
Yeah, you know, I never really had like a uh, an option of whether or not I was going to be a Star Trek or, fan or not. My mom sort of predetermined that for me very, very much uh, early in my childhood. She made sure that I had no decision in the matter. Um, you know, we kind of grew up when I was younger, Voyager was sort of wrapping up, but the first series that I really watched uh, episode to episode was Discovery, which kind of holds a very oh. soft spot in my heart. I was just around 12, 13, and uh, my mom would have all of my 13-year-old friends over, and we would have a Star Trek party. It was sort of before anybody did a watch party or called it that. Uh, and she would write up these little quizzes and, you know, it was all the small information that you really need to know if you're a Trekkie. Like, what's the third guy on the left's names of his, you know, whatever. Uh, and, and if you won, if you got the most answers right, she would give you like a Star Trek prize. And she would drive us all to conventions, which, uh, you know, were both like totally weird, but also amazing. And we had so much fun going to all these, you know, bigger conventions like the one in Pasadena, but also the really small conventions like just a a marriott basement in sacramento it's just you know just like <laughs> real real you know late 90s star trek conventions um and you know when it starts that early it just is sort of becomes a part of your dna uh whether or not you're watching every episode or not you just sort of can't uh, extract yourself from it. Mm -hmm. um, in undergrad, I uh, I have a friend named Eli, who's this amazing comedian writer, and he directed a like a syndication vindication where I played Riker, uh, and I was still a little too young to like grow r real beard, so I had to kind of <laughs> fill it in with with steeple and stuff. And then in grad school in New York, you know, there wasn't there's like not a lot of Star Trek conventions in New York, which is very strange to me. Um, but they were doing a I think it was the release for the second season of Next Gen on Blu-ray, and they had a theater in Times Square, and LeVar Burton was there, and I th I don't even know how I heard about it, but I I did, and I was just like, in my memory, I don't I there's no I didn't hear about it, I don't remember deciding to go, I was just there, like <laughs> I just like was appeared there, and I was like, yeah, this is where I'm supposed to be by myself, you know, uh, and. Uh, and then I, you know, I, I, uh, Mary did a, a taped audition for it. Very, very like low key. I read it with her, you know, it was fun to just like get the script and we didn't even think about it for a couple of weeks. You know, they asked her to make like a slate, uh, which was like full body shot, but it was like, whatever. Um, and then I was at dinner with my dad and my, un uh, my cousin who were in town and she sat down next to me and she's like, so I booked Star Trek and I was like, what? Huh? Like, what do you, what do you, what do you mean? Like, is this some kind of weird joke you're playing on me? Uh, and then from that point, it was sort of like everything kind of flipped on its head where I was sort of on the other side of the fence, but still this massive fan. So, you know, I got to be on set and I got to like really actually get to know all the actors and the directors and, and all the crew, you know, so... So when I eventually was on the show, I sort of already knew everybody. And, and in a fun way, everybody already knew me and That's knew great. what a big fan I was. Had seen all of my pictures because I would show them to anybody who would look. So <laughs> there was this sort of thing of like, you know, hey, you're doing it. You know, like, wow, can you believe it? And I was like just having so much fun. Um, so, yeah, you know, it just it's been a really, really 
I just unique journey, you know, because I, I feel like I feel like it really there's very, very few things like this which could happen, you know, where it's like I, I think everybody has their kind of pop culture loves the thing they love right. so much. And like, you know, you develop them as you get older, you get into something, you get out of something, but like there's very few things that exist that were around in the mid nineties that would have me as like a 10 year old in a uniform of that thing that then I would be doing as an adult, you know, like who was wearing uniforms of, or costumes in like 98 <laughs> other than Star Trek people, you know, there was no, yeah. there wasn't like people weren't doing like your Marvel co There was no cosplay. Right. Cosplay wasn't a yeah. thing. It was like, you were being a massive nerd and that's it. That's what they called it instead of cosplay. So just the fact that like, I have this kind of like, I have the documentation of me as a kid in Las Vegas at the Star Trek experience. You know, it's just, it, it's a really, really special and lucky thing that uh, has just been the, the best. So, I mean, you had to have a, a total fanboy moment times a thousand when you got to work with Jonathan Frakes. Then. <laughs> I mean, because, you know, inside you're probably like losing it. But on the outside, you're like, absolutely, Jonathan, that sounds great. Well, the great <laughs> thing about it was that I had this full prosthetic on. So yeah. I, it wasn't even inside that I was losing it. It was on the outside, but it was just covered <laughs> by the prosthetic. You know, I was absolutely... Uh, uh, just totally freaked out in the best way. I mean, and I, I think the, the thing about working with Jonathan is that he's like such a good guy, such yeah. a down to earth guy, such an easy guy to be around, to joke with. Such, and, and I think on top of everything, such a good director that I never, I never really felt like I was, well, I, I constantly felt like I was messing up and like I was a huge dork and like I wasn't doing a good job, but he never made me feel that way. You know, he made me feel very comfortable and him and Mary have a really, really great relationship. So I think it was fun for him to be like, boy, Mary, you really punched down for this guy, but okay. You know? <laughs> <laughs> uh, but it was awesome. It was awesome. And, you know, it, in in so many ways, you know, it, it's it's a strange thing because... With these three episodes, you know, it's not often that a character like mine would get to last three episodes. It's not often that we'd get to interact with so many different people on the ship, including Mary, but also getting to work with Emily and David and Sonequa, you know, just just a ton of people. And also that not one but two of the episodes were directed by Jonathan yeah. was just a really, really lucky lucky experience you know because it could have been like i could have been on a planet i did one episode i didn't meet michelle yo i didn't meet sonequa david waved for me and then somebody blew my head off you know which would have been great i would have been like yeah sign me up but it just kind of kept getting better the whole time one of the things that i f that i think is so great is that you know being married to to mary you get to live this with her and of course as husband and wife First of all, have you done anything else together? And then to build on that, what was it like for you guys to film that scene in the mess hall? Because I've seen the great pictures that you guys have posted <laughs> playing behind the scenes, and I think they're absolutely fantastic. But what was it like actually as a married couple doing those scenes as two very different people? Yeah, well, we went to Juilliard together. That's where we met. We met at grad okay. school. We were in the same class together. We met there. Mary Chifo, who uh, plays Laurel, was mm. also in our class. So it was very much a, a, a family affair um, through this whole journey. Um 
And we had worked together a bunch at school, but hadn't worked together at all out of school. So okay. it was very exciting. I was I was very excited to kind of um, come back and get to work with her. Um, it was very funny because I mean, well, two things about especially the the first scene we did together, where uh, I kind of storm in and been asking for the captain, and she's right. like, you know, kind of tells me what's what. Um, you know, the first thing was when I came in, I was like, holy smokes, like she is comfortable. She is like relaxed. This is her freaking house. Like she, <laughs> I am in her house. I got that very, very quickly, which was great, you know, because it's a real learning curve to go from working in the theater uh, to working on like these really, really high budget you know, lots of lots of kind of tech and camera and moving piece um, uh, operations. It's a real, real shift from what we sort of had trained to do. Um, so to see how comfortable she had become was really impressive. The other thing was, you know, I was like, all right, I'm going to come in and like, and we're going to just like go after each other. I'm going to come in so hot. We're going to, ah, you know, like really tear into each other. And I come in, storm in, you know, get out of my way. Where's this captain? And I do the take. I'm like, oh yeah, we really, we're, 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 we're working with gas now. We're cooking with gas. And Jonathan pulls me aside and he's like, hey, Noah, you need to cool it down a little bit. All right. It's a little hot. So like, you know, that's, that's just not it. Just cool it down. And so I'm like, oh my God, this is the worst day of my life i've ruined everything you know i humiliated myself and so the rest of the day i'm just like just trying to keep it together not get too in the dumps do a good job and we finish up the day working and mary and i sort of like walk off to the trailers together and and i'm like well like how was your day and she's like oh my god it was terrible i wanted to come in so hot and just give it to you jonathan had to pull me aside and tell me to cool down and i was like that's what he said to me and we both realized that independently of each other we were like preparing for the husband and wife showdown of 2019 and jonathan frank's just like we need to know that books on the planet so you guys need to chill chill out right now <laughs> So, so one quick question on that. When he's telling you that, he was sitting there chewing his gum, wasn't he? He was like, nah, nah, nah. <laughs> yeah, he does exactly. that all the time. Yeah. yeah, he kind of like leaned in and was like, you need to cool it or you're going to blow this for me. Bill, as always, we want to take a moment to thank our dear friends over at Fansets for being the exclusive sponsor here on Discovering Trek. You know, they're just amazing and always working hard to put out the best product available. And, and it's interesting, both John and Lou celebrated birthdays this past week, and you would think that maybe they take a day or two to relax and unwind and enjoy their special day, but oh no, what do they do? They surprise us with a whole bunch of new releases this week. Oh, and don't you play Mr. Innocent, man. I saw Lou's post that he was taking a day with his wife to enjoy Disneyland, and you were commenting about how he needs to get back home and make pins. <laughs> I'm really glad you're not my boss. <laughs> anyway, yes, you are 100% correct. Some great new pins were released this past weekend, and they are Star Trek Picard Episode Pins 3 and 4 for The End is the Beginning and Absolute Candor. And also from Star Trek Picard, the wonderful and shall I say quite murderous Dr. Agnes Gerardi is ready to add to your collection. And then from sh some show called Discovery, I, I think I've heard of that, we're happy to have Lieutenant Nilsson join the fansets ranks. Dan, I know you're excited about this. The Doomsday Ship Pin, I gotta say that very carefully, has been finally, has finally been released. <laughs> Don't you think I know that? Just, Just stop. Sorry. Stop. Sorry. Stop. 
And finally, <laughs> we've been waiting on this one for a very long time, and it's finally here. The next generation all good things full-size Delta pin is available now over at fansets.com. Absolutely awesome, man. And I got to say that Delta, as well as every pin that Fansets produces for that matter, it's just simply gorgeous. Now, please keep in mind that this is just the full-size Delta. The magnetic-backed pin and the mini pin versions of the Delta will be available in the near future. So keep your eyes on Fansets social media pages for those release announcements. Now, in addition to all those new pins, there are just tons of other pins and accessories over at Fansets.com. So head on over there, check out all the cool stuff they have, put a bunch of those aforementioned pins and accessories in your cart and then enter the special code word discovering trek in all caps with no spaces at checkout for an amazing 10 percent off your entire order and hey don't forget if you're in the united states and you spend more than 30 dollars you're going to get free shipping fansets our pins have character and we thank our friends at fansets for being the presenting sponsor of the trek geeks podcast network so, you know, since you do come from from the fandom to start with, what's it like to see the reaction to to the character over the episodes you did? And then to, to see the pretty much unanimous disappointment at his sort of wanton vaporization, because I got to tell you, I was super bummed. Well, yep. you know, it, it means first off, it meant it means so much to me to be sort of accepted in the way that I have been from the fandom, because... Uh, you know, you can get in the wrong pocket on the internet and it's just sucks, right. you know, and yeah, it's yeah. uncalled for and rude. And so I've really appreciated, you know, that experience and feel very lucky to have that experience. You know, I, I, I think that also it means a lot to me because as opposed to being on another show, which is like, oh, well, I got to work on it and now I'm watching it, and then it's over. Like, for me, it's the full experience of getting to interact with fans, getting to share the experience with fans, getting kind of like, uh, you know, open that door and let people peek behind the curtain a little bit. And, you know, I was really, really worried for a while. Uh, you know, after I'd sort of shot it, I was thinking back, you know, man, is that Andorian enough? Are people going to give me a hard time about this? Am I going to be around long enough? Are people going to hate, you know, all these kind of things, which... Which is an actor you're always thinking, but take on a real importance when you kind of want to be on both sides of the of the fence, and and that doesn't always work out. Um, so I felt very very lucky by the fan reaction and the sort of full on embrace that I was given, and also felt really supported by the cast as well. You know, it's just such a great group of people, and they've sort of boosted me and and taken me in and shown me a lot of support and legitimized me in a way that that's really meant a lot to me. And then in terms of his death you know look any actor wants their character to live forever of course you know and i think i felt very um honored that people wanted more of him wanted him to be around longer i felt very um it, it meant a lot you know because obviously that's what i want too but you know I also can see now, you know, I've had a year to process his death, so I'm feeling right. pretty good about it at this point where everybody's like, "What? I just got to know you. I, I, I went through all this. Like, I, took, I mean, look, it took me like eight months, but it, by, the, by the end, I was like, all right, I'm good, you know? So it, it, I can see now, you know, how important his death is and sort of like the violence of his death is to like really paint Osira as the villain that she is. And I, I think yeah. it's useful. And I'm glad that it happened in that way. And I also think, you know... As much as we want to know more about him and who he is, there's something that is kind of 
awesome about having there be a mystery around a character in Star Trek, about having not everything having been explained about who he is or what happened to him or his whole story. You know, so often we know so much about everything, which is part of the fun. You know, you know everything about these characters. You know everything about the technology, about the ship, about how this works, about everything. And so when you get a character who you can empathize with and relate to and feel a connection to but you don't know everything about them you don't know what was happening to him you know before he was on that planet with book you don't know who he was or why he's competent you know uh it's fun you know and i think you know the flip side of that is sticking around too long and outstaying your welcome you know and, and that sucks you know so yeah i think better uh better have to uh to to live brief and beautifully than kind of hung on well past the due date as an actor do you watch your own performances i know there are a lot who don't and there are some that do i know famously william shatner does not and never has do you, uh, are, are you at a point where you want to or feel like you well it's you, so you, interesting you should you know with this specifically it was actually a really interesting experience because that prosthetic is so thick. It doesn't really yeah. capture the sort of subtleties of a human, quote unquote, you know, physical face, even in the way that the prosthetics of sort of the previous generation of Star Trek, they weren't the same sort of full facial mask. You know, they mm-hmm. were they were pieces that were glued on. And, you know, you still had a lot of this sort of uh, ability to pick up some of those more subtle facial movements, which on the sort of higher definition cameras and higher definition TVs, like those prosthetics just don't look realistic anymore. You know, mm-hmm. you, you just can't work with them in the same way because they really they really can bump, especially if you go back and watch some of those earlier episodes. Um, so in order to kind of get a sense of, you know, what was being conveyed by this face that was on top of my face, I would actually like do a shot. And as they were setting up for the next shot, or if there was like a small camera change, I would run over to the monitor and immediately watch playback. Because what's different about this is when I look at that, I'm not really looking at myself. You know, I don't look anything like that mask. You know, I I can barely see myself. I can hear myself. But really what I, I wasn't listening for the voice. I was watching the face even without the sound to see, you know, what's coming across, what's getting lost and how can I kind of bridge the gap, you know? So I, I actually watched myself a ton. It was sort of like this feedback loop where it's like, oh, I thought when I raised my eyebrows or made this face, it would come through, but it didn't. Or like, oh, when I kind of remained still and just did something with my eyes, that told plenty of the story and just the sort of uh, the ruggedness or the the exaggerated nature of his features kind of tell the story for me i don't need to worry about too much indication in terms of big facial movements or cues um so yeah i I wound up watching myself quite a bit actually it must also put you in an interesting uh position if someone who you didn't want to watch yourself as an actor but you love star trek so much (laughs) and you kind of are forced to uh, that must be quite an interesting uh, uh situation let me ask you one quick question uh noah in regards to your death scene like bill i was shocked and it happened so fast. It actually was one of those, what the F just happened? I, I have, do I have, to re- I have to rewind this and watch it again? And I agree with you 100%. It was needed to show the ruthfulness of Osira. From a technical standpoint, 
Can you walk us through what it was like for that death scene? Because I remember in the old days, they talk about how you had to stand on the transporter totally still for so many seconds because they had to do their work. What was it like for that scene? Yeah, I mean, it was it was really similar. You know, I felt like I basically I would say that line. I would step out. Somebody would say like, bang. And then David would go, no, (laughs) you know, Uh, but it was a great, great day on set because I do feel like. You know, he didn't necessarily get a big speech. He didn't get a big creed at the end. But you really, I, I, I really felt like in that moment when I was acting his final lines, it really felt like he had completed his arc. You know, his sort of redemption was complete. And it wasn't about him living or growing or whatever, which would have been great. Everybody wants that. But it was the sense of him sort of reclaiming his power back from this mm-hmm. person. Uh, and so there, it was just had that feel on set of like, you know, some, it just felt it just had that vibe, that sort of electricity in the air. And I yeah. think that even when I stepped off, David was still really feeling it. And he plays that moment so beautifully that it it, it wasn't like, oh, yeah, like cut, you know, whatever. It was still like, even though I walked, it almost felt like it was like a play where like it was some like metaphor where I like slowly right. walked away and, you know, David could still see me in the background. So it was a it was just a really cool moment and and i think i think jonathan was really really happy with it too which which was really really gratifying as well yeah that's always good and and i will say as as surprising as it was i think we all kind of knew it was going to happen um as surprising as it was it was really that catalyst that was needed for the uh aurelio character to be able to see yeah. what osiro was really like so your death had meaning in that mm-hmm. in that aspect um and it, it was really an incredible scene and and like i said it was so fast it was one of those shock moments that you haven't really seen too much on discovery but yeah you know a lot of the time i feel like the discovery deaths you're like building to this moment like you're building to Lorca dying. You know, you're yeah. even even at the end of this scene, you're building to Osira dying. And this one was it felt um brutal in a way that, you know, I is right for that moment and right for that character and right, you know, to kind of show like you don't need to see another slave planet to know that this person needs to go, you know? Yeah. 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 Do you now? I think I know the answer to this question because you're an actor who wants to work. But <laughs> do you have an interest potentially in in Strange New Worlds or Section Thirty One or any one of the thirty seven other Star Trek shows <laughs> that Kurtzman has slated? Yeah, absolutely. You know, uh, who knows? You know, of course, my my heart lies with Discovery, though. You yes. know, I think that's as as great as you know. I mean, look, obviously I'd do it, but uh, they're on, you know, opposite schedules than Discovery, and it would suck to have to kind of navigate, you know, Mary being back in New York when I'm up, you know, whatever. So uh, that's my way of convincing myself, you know, just stay focused on Discovery. Just stay there. Stay present. I'm going to have to have a conversation with our friend Dayton Ward and see what he thinks about possibly having a Rin story in an upcoming novel. Hey, I think that would be pretty good. Like you said, there's so much mystery with the character. It really would be good to get some kind of a backstory. Not, not a whole backstory because, like you said, that mystery is important. Well, in a, bo- in a book, you can write the backstory. The books are for – that's what they're there for. You nice. know what I mean? Yeah. I love that. 
I'm all for a short trek too. I'm going to go on record as saying that. I think that would be ultimately fantastic. But I got to say, I mean, the Star Trek geek in me wants you eventually to wear the uniform of the USS Enterprise because that's kind of how I roll. Now that I know you've lived the fandom dream, I want to see you. I don't want to see you in a red shirt because honestly, I want to keep you around for a while. But <laughs> Me too. but science science blue would be pretty cool. Yeah, I'm not gonna you know, lie. I, I think I think that uh, I think anything's possible in Star Trek. So we'll see. We'll see. You know, I'm 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 still reveling in uh, in what I got to do, and I think yeah. in a, another year I'll be you know strung out and be like, come on, give me. You guys got any more of that Star <laughs> Trek? Come on. <laughs> now, I don't want to put you on the spot because I don't want it to be awkward, but I'm going to do it anyway. Um, are you planning on being out in Vegas this summer? Uh, it, we're working on it. We're working on That'd it. That'd be great. We're working okay. on it. You know, it's really, really, it's been really important to me to get to go to conventions, sort of setting aside the pandemic, of course, you know, that mm-hmm. will obviously do whatever it's going to do. But but when it's safe again, when it makes sense again, getting to go to a convention, that feels like the sort of final final piece of the puzzle in a way you know to really complete the circle and to get to interact you know face to face with fans as well to kind of get to i I, you know i know how much it means as a fan to have that interaction with somebody who's on the show in whatever level you know whether that's patrick stewart or whether that's you know a guest star from season three of you know next gen it, it just means so much because i i know that because i've been that person so the idea right. that i can get to participate in that and even on the internet that i get to participate in it it just makes me really happy and i i'm really looking forward to the chance to get to do that in person it must be so cool to be able to be one of the few people that would be able to be on both sides of the table exactly that's yeah. very very yeah. cool exactly yeah, very yeah cool. Like, i don't know it's i I'm I'm really excited, be but also a little nervous because I'm sort of being like, well, can I get in line for the autograph? Is that okay? <laughs> <laughs> I, I, we're gonna plant a bug in your ear now because we actually host the biggest party of the Vegas convention. Oh yeah, Invite year me. after year, and um, uh, you totally gotta go. So now we've we've committed you to this. Well, keep so. an eye out. You know, hopefully we'll be able to make some sort of announcement. It's sort of like in the works. I don't really yeah. understand. Cool. To be honest, I don't really completely understand like how it's going or whatever. But I hear that. Once you yep. see an announcement, if you see an announcement, send me that invite. We'll go party. Absolutely. Absolutely. Now, my last question, and then I'm, I'm sure Bill probably has one more too, is probably the most important one, Noah. So I want you to really think about this one. <laughs> All right. Don't lie. Grudge weighed about a buck fifty, didn't she? Grudge. <laughs> All right. Here's what I'll say about, about Grudge Grudge was not as heavy as she looked. A lot of it is hair. So it's very long, very long cat, yep. but not a very heavy cat. However, <laughs> Grudge did not want to be held by me. Grudge wanted nothing to do with me. Grudge did not like me. In that scene where I interact with Grudge, uh, she's supposed to hop up on my lap and comfort me, and I'm freaking out, and she's licking my face, and I don't know, one take in. I turned to Jonathan and said, Jonathan, there is no there is no way this is happening. You guys can't even get this cat to come near me. And so somebody picked the cat up, threw it at me. I then 
wrap my arms around it. Now, this is where it's like she, she wasn't heavy, but she was trying so hard to escape my clutches that my biceps were sore by the end of the day. And, and, and I, I was like, look, I know I'm supposed to hold her this whole sort of assault on the Viridian, but I, I got to let her go. My arms are too tired. And so she scampered away, and I was like, you know, shoot there instead. So I don't think it's so much that she's uh, hefty as much as she is brutally strong and unforgiving. <laughs> That's awesome. So uh, aside from D&D and obviously doing uh, a massive litany of podcasts, because I think we were probably the last Star Trek podcast you hadn't done yet. Oh, you'd be um, surprised. Well, look, I, I would just say, you know, I feel, I, I feel like the reason why Star Trek exists is because fans... Are, have been talking about it. You know what I mean? Yeah, the reason yeah. why there are conventions is because fans made it happen. And so I feel, in a good way, I feel a real responsibility to, you know, support, make visible, to participate, to have fun with as many kind of fan enterprises as I can because really those fan enterprises are why I'm on this show. So, that's amazing. you know, that's that's sort of my, my thinking of, you know, I, I'm sure, you know, listen... I don't have that many stories. Everybody's heard them by now. They're not funny anymore. But I'm going to keep telling them because, you know, it, it, it feels like I kind of have a responsibility to, to participate with the fandom in that way because they've given me everything that I have. Well, I will say one thing in regards to this, and I've been saying this since Discovery first came out and the first time that we saw everybody uh, in Vegas. This cast and this crew is the most personal one that we have ever seen yeah. they love talking with us the fans they love telling the stories that you're talking about they uh, they uh, they appreciate the stories that we tell them and and i don't know if it's because of the time we're in with social media so that there's more connection or it's just that they're just a better bunch of people and not to downplay anything from any of the other cast but what you do and what they do uh, over the past three seasons with that connection is really really something is very important and i appreciate it very yeah much. you know i i think it's a combination of a lot of things i think you know relaunching star trek i think everybody realized like the number one thing that is important especially to the actors is is like getting the fans on board excited and feeling like you know hey like we're not trying to take something away from you you know yeah. we might not hit it out of the park every time that's just the way star trek is i know it's hard to admit but not every episode is perfect uh i just watched schizoid man and that's you know still holds up <laughs> uh, but like you know we're here to kind of participate in the thing that you love and try and make sure that as many new people can get excited as well and i think it's that energy coupled with the fact that like these people are really really good good people you know i i, I think that it's it's shocking, you know, in a cast this size of, of regulars and even reoccurring like the bridge crew or dead or, or all these people that everybody there is just just a really, really, really good person. So I, I think it's a combination of, of that. And it, it's just a really lucky coincidence, you know, and especially being led by Sinequa. She's such an incredible leader. She sets the tone for the cast yep. and the crew in terms of respect, in terms of, you know, communication, in terms of appreciation. So it really from the top down and, and even Alex and Michelle, um, you know, they, they really, really 
want to make a show that is for the fans, is for new fans, and that also, you know, is for this company that they're working for to make sure it doesn't get canceled. Um, and they're working really, really hard to do that. And they they really love it. And I, I really think they knock it out of the park. Well, I'll tell you what, Noah, you knocked it out of the park as Rin. Uh, it was an incredible storyline, great character. We hope to see you in Star Trek in some form in the future, whether human, Andorian, Gorn. I don't really care what it is, <laughs> as long as you show up again, because you did a fantastic job. Um, thank you so much for joining us here today. Um, his name is Noah Averback. Cats, ladies and gentlemen, Rin on uh, Star Trek Discovery Season 3. Thanks so much, man. Appreciate it. Thanks for having me, guys. So, Bill, what an absolutely amazing conversation with Noah. Uh, he's just such a wonderful person, and his love of Trek is just so apparent. And I'm really glad that he got to live that dream that so many of us have, well, only dreamed about. You know, it's really kind of amazing. You know, we've talked to a lot of people involved with Star Trek, both between Discovering Trek and the Trek Geeks podcast. And this is really the first time that really a fan has gotten a chance to live this particular dream in this particular way. And it's really, it's really fascinating that it pretty much permeates everything he does. Um, I have to think that as an actor, the chance to come work for the franchise you've dreamed of all your life has got to be uh, kind of like, you know, a kid waking up to, to play and win the Super Bowl. Yeah, absolutely. I was actually just going to say, you know, like the play, the people that are Patriots fans their whole life and then get drafted by the Patriots and get to play for the Patriots. That's my little sport analogy for the week. But you're absolutely right. I am gonna, I'm not going to lie. A little jealous. A little jealous of the guy. Uh, he, he, he gets to live the dream. And it, it was just truly an honor to have him on the show. We want to thank him again for joining us here on Discovering Trek. Um, next week, Bill. Sarah and Casey will be back with us uh, as we do a wrap-up of Season 3 of Discovery, uh, and that's going to be a blast. And, and don't forget, once we wrap up Discovery, you can look forward to Discovering Trek Enterprise with Sarah and Casey, and that's going to be coming in February. Until then, remember that you can subscribe to Discovering Trek by searching for us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, or by heading to discoveringtrek.com. Now, if you enjoy what we're doing here on Discovering Trek and the Trek Geeks Podcast Network, please consider supporting us on Patreon. As a subscriber, you can get access to the unedited recordings of our episodes, as well as exclusive content and great subscriber rewards, like our annual supporters pin from our friends at Fansets and our exclusive Trek Geeks Podcast Network t-shirt, among other things. Now, we want to take a moment to recognize the following amazing producers of Discovering Trek, and we say this every week, but we truly are so thankful for their support. Mike Bovia, Chaz Bradshaw, Ken Bird, Kyle Castillo, Peter Craig, Craig Ewing, Al Godwin, Jackie and Chris Hackney, Kimberly Hartman, David Hood, Tony Lambast, Leonel Marchand, Matt McGonigal, Jim McMahon, Charlie Mulvey, Sean O'Halloran, Jamie Rogers, Chris Trebuzio, Ken Tripp, Casey Shafsky, Christina Werther, and the lovely and talented Jess Vashon. If you want to become a producer of Discovering Trek or even get access to the raw audio for Discovering Trek episodes, head on over to patreon.com slash trekgeeks for all the details. And Bill, so uh, uh, as usual, a great episode. Um, we love uh, having these special people on the show to talk about their experience. Um, 
just awesome. Uh, but but back to you and I for just a second. Yeah, let's talk about me. <laughs> let's talk about you. Where can people find you on the social media rights, uh, my friend? Oh, well, thank you so much. Uh, of course, on Twitter, I can be found at Trek Geek Bill, and I'm always milling about our official Facebook group, Camp Kittimer. Uh, all you have to do is search for that, and you can find both Dan and myself stalking it on any given day and time. Absolutely. And I can be found on Twitter at Trek Geek Dan. It's pretty simple. Trek Geek Dan, Trek Geek Bill. You're going to find one of us that way. Um, that's going to do it for us for this week in our awesome discussion with Noah Averback Katz, who played Rin in season three. A great character and a wonderful guy. And, and we just thank him so much for joining us. As always, we thank you so much for taking time out of your busy schedule to listen to us talk about this amazing new chapter in the Star Trek universe each and every week. We wouldn't be here without your support, and we thank you so very much. We're going to be back next week for our Season 3 Wrap-Up Spectacular, and we hope you'll join us. Until then, here are some words of wisdom from Rin himself after his standoff with Osira. <laughs> That's just cold. Too soon, man. Sorry. Too soon. (laughs) And until next week, never stop discovering. Music for Discovering Trek is provided by Five Year Mission. They're writing an original song for each episode of Star Trek. Hear more of their music at fiveyearmission.net. Discovering Trek is a production of Coconut Media Works. Executive producers Bill Smith and Dan Davidson. For more great Star Trek discussion, discover the other shows of the Trek Geeks podcast network at trekgeeks.com or find us in Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or your favorite podcast app.